Blog Talk Radio.
Church of Deliverance, non-denominational. God bless you, Apostle. How are you tonight? Bless, bless, wonderfully. Yes, are you are a blessed man of God. We look so forward to hearing from you each and Thursday night. We want to tell all of our listeners to make sure you call in on Thursdays from 7 o'clock p.m. to 7.30 p.m. You will hear the wisdom, the man of God himself, Apostle Lockamy. God bless you. How's the weather down there, Apostle? A little damp, a little wet, rainy, a little damp, but a little cool. Wow, we up here in the East Coast in Maryland compared to North Carolina. And I'm telling you, the winter is ready. We got our gloves on, our turtlenecks, our coat with the fur. Truly, we know that the seasons are changing. They're calling for snow up here in the East Coast, up here by Chesapeake Bay Bridge. By Eastern Shore. Are they talking about snow down there? No, it's not. Not yet. Oh, you are so blessed. You are so blessed. Well, I want to uh, ask you a couple of questions. Is it okay with you before we get started? Or are you ready to give us the word? Yeah, we can go with the question. Well, we were looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, talking about Faith. Can you tell us what was so important that God want to put faith in the Bible? Because that's all. That's uh, it's all about God. I mean, faith is not about. We have faith in the natural, faith faith in things that we, you know, live with day by day. We got we have faith and confidence that our car gonna crank up in the morning. But those are the material things we have. Faith in the food we go and eat at the store because we don't know what they put in that food. We take it and bring it home and eat it. Sometimes we won't even pray for it, but we got faith it ain't going to kill us. So we got faith when we sit in a chair and we sit in so long it ain't going to fall out and break or it ain't fail yet. So we have faith the material thing, but this faith we're talking about is spiritual. It had to do with trusting God. And God knew because except we trust the Lord, then that is you know it's in vain to serve Him if we don't trust Him. And that's one of the purposes of serving God is to trust Him and have faith in Him, to believe that He's gonna do us and that we ask of Him. Yes. So we have to have our faith and trust in God. Well, Psalms twenty-five five talk about hope. What is hope? Well, you know, that's our lesson tonight. That's what we're going to talk about tonight is about hope. So one that you it is a wonder that you, you did that. So thank God for the confirmation about hope tonight. But but, uh, don't tell us that I'm a okay, hope. Okay, I'm okay. Next question. <laughs> that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> and then we look at 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. What is love? Well, God wanted us to get it right because we, we we got church folks and Christian folks, and we all have been there our own selves, where, where our love is limited to emotion. Our love is limited to our six senses, to our smell and our taste and our touch and our hearing and our feeling. And, and and when it goes beyond that, then we don't love no more. If somebody get on our nerve, get on our feelings, 
you know, what we see, what we hear, what somebody said about somebody, then we stop loving them. That's that earthly, earthly love. It's limited, but the love God told us in the 13th chapter is spiritual. It came from heaven. It's unlimited. It's uncontrollable. Any love that you can control ain't love. But this love is uncontrollable. This love will have you doing things that you don't even want to do. This love will have you doing things you don't even feel like doing. This love will have you doing things that you didn't think that you should be doing because it comes from God and, 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 and it's pure and it's holy and, 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 and it's conditional according to the word of God. Wow. So is friendship connected to love? How will we know the difference if it's true friendship or not friendship? Well, by the way they treat you. It's like Kool-Aid. I mean, you don't know where you got any sugar in it when you start drinking it. (laughs) (laughs) That's Apostle Alexander Lockerby. I told you that's the man with the wisdom gift. So if it's not sweet, that means it's bitter, and that's not a friend. That's it. It's bitter because, you know, the scripture even says, even the scripture said bitterness is not of God, but it's of the devil. It's devilish. It's senseless. It's not even of earth. It's from Satan. Wow. And then we look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 14, where they talk about forgiveness. Why should I forgive somebody that's been mean, nasty, honorary to me? Why is God talking about forgiveness in Matthews? Well, because he has forgiven you. He has forgiven you so many times. And, and, and compared to the times what he forgave you for and he saved you, ain't to tell how many million sins you have committed when God saved you. So what is that compared to one or two sins every now and then, or one, one or two mistakes somebody would make? So God compared that to his, his own forgiveness because he forgave us more than we can forgive others. So he compared that that we, we forgive each other because it's God's will. He don't want none to perish. He want all to be saved. He said he wished that none be but all come to repentance. So that way we got to forgive folk. Even we don't feel like it, no matter what they did to us, we have to forgive them because God said it. Yes, it, it may not make them love you. They may not love you. They, they may not forgive you, but you got to forgive them. Wow. So we have to forgive. You once said something about forget. What did you say about forget? You have to forget. Now, even though it may come to your mind, forget means don't act upon it. Yes, you're going to always you, you meet that person. It may come across your thought that they did this and did that to you, but don't reminisce on it. Don't 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 let it become uh, chaotic that it began to make you become bitter and sad and, and, and despondent and start acting upon it and then telling somebody about what that person did to you every time you see them. You have to forgive and forget it. When Paul said he forget the things behind, Paul knew what he did. He couldn't change what he did, but he can't stand around all day worrying about it because you can't change nothing. It's done been done. It's over with. It's in the past. The milk done been spilled. Don't wipe it up and go on back to business. <laughs> Good God Almighty. You know, God just corrected me. Uh, I want to say to the radio audience, he loved Apostle Alexander Lockerbie and all of us, but he want me to get it straight that I heard a clear day, the Lord told me to tell you that he's on every Thursday from 7 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. I'll say it again. It's from 7 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. God wants you to get the full gist of his word and wisdom, and he wants you to tune in to the man of God because you heard what he said. You spill the milk, just wipe it up and keep moving. Good God Almighty. Well, my last question I want to ask you, that God told us uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, 
that we should walk in expectancy according to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that he has a plan for us. What do God mean to expect or expectancy? Well, it's like you going to the light switch and you switch it on. You you you, you expect that light to come on. It's been coming on all the time. And let's say the shortage there, you know it's gonna come on. Expect me to know to just look for it to happen. When you go in there and hit that switch, you're looking for that light to come on, or you won't call an electrician. It's like when you hit that switch on your furnace and then come on, you do something wrong. But you were looking for it to come on. You would expect it to come on, even though it didn't come on. You, you, expect it is not something you see or something you feel. It's something that you believe in that's going to happen. Wow. Good God Almighty. Again, you're listening to the burning bush where Apostle Alexander Lockamy. I'm going to move out your way now so you can give us what thus said the Lord of hosts. God bless you, sir. Yes, it's a blessing to be able to be on this afternoon to for the radio world. And God wants to put in my spirit tonight to talk about, I want to talk about use what you have. And that, and then I want to talk about hope. First, I wanted that two, the two, that, that, that hope is a subtopic, but topic is use what you have. Uh, sometimes, we don't realize what powerful tools we have. And what we do is because we don't feel like we got nothing left. Uh, uh, other words, I'm sorry, let me change that again. My topic is use what you have left. Use what you have left. Sometimes you might not think you ain't got nothing left. You, you lost your job, your, the children left, left, your husband walked out, the wife walked out, uh, 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 your doctor gave you a bad report and you know been sick for a long time and, it looks like there ain't no hope down the road, but God wants you to use what you have left. Sometimes what you got left will work for you greater than what you already had. Sometimes God had to take away what we got in order for us to see what we got left. Sometimes what we got got us blind. Sometimes sometime what we got, uh, we got a wonderful marriage, and we got a, and a husband and a wife, and we complain all the time, grumbling and mumming. She can't do this. She can't cook. She won't do this, or she won't wash the dishes, or she won't clean up the house. Well, while you were doing all that complaining, you could have went in there and cleaned that house yourself. You could have washed those dishes yourself. You could have went in there and swept that floor. You could have took the trash out yourself. Because you love her like you say it is, it was more important for you to do that right than to lose her. You lost her because you were complaining. But all the things that she was doing, here she had and took her time. Well, at least she tried to cook, even though she burned it, she tried. And you should have went on and appreciated that and say thank you, baby. And then if nothing else, turned on down the store and, 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 and brought something to eat. And then, then, then hire somebody to come in and, and uh, teach her how to cook and give her some cooking lessons and kept what you had. So you lost your woman because she couldn't cook. But all you had to do, and, and now you ain't got nothing left. When God had you gave you something else, that, uh, that that would do you good. So sometimes we lose what we got because we don't realize what we already have. What you got left may not look like much. I ain't got nothing. She ain't nothing. See, there, you said she want nothing, but but she is something. She's your wife. She's the woman that God gave you. And I don't want to talk about in hope. See, in order, order for you, sometimes you got to have hope to help you hold on to what you got left. Because, see, what you got left, it may not seem like much. See, when David went, came back to Ziglag, he found out that all the family was gone, and the enemy had come uh, from the north, south, wherever they came from. And they, they took David's wife and all his children and all his servants. Uh, the, the David men cried because they didn't think they had nothing left. And they Bible said they talk about stoning David because they had lost everything. They didn't have nothing left. 
all they would, all their, their wives and children were to them with everything they had. And now that that was gone, uh, they just know they got so discouraged. But David reached out and grabbed hope. That grabbed hope. And David hoped that in the God of his salvation, David reached out and believed that God was able. Even though it looked bad, David hoped that he knew that somewhere, somehow, God was able to turn this thing around. Now, let me give you the definition for hope. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. It's a feeling of trust, a, a, a inspiration, a desire, a wish, an expectation, anticipation, to look for, to cherish, a desire with an anticipation, to want something to happen and to hold on until it will. Oh, my God, that's a sermon itself right there. To want something to happen, this is what hope is. Hope is not faith, and faith is not hope. Somebody said they're the same thing, but they're not the same thing. Faith is believing in something. Hope helps you hold on to what you believe. Let me say that again. Faith is believing in it. Hope helps you hold on until it comes to pass. To want something to happen and to hold on until it. We're going to talk from the eye of the word of God tonight, First Kings. 17th chapter, right here through the 16th verse, and we want to talk about the widow woman. The Bible said that Elijah had already spoke earlier, and it stopped raining because the people had turned from God. That was the purpose of the whole thing. The people had backslid, and they turned to idols, and they had left God. God was nowhere in their vocabulary. And Elijah spoke and said it would not rain. The Bible said it did not rain. For over three and three three years and some, but now it was time for God to begin to show His glory. It was time for God began to manifest His power. So, but while Elijah was waiting for God to do these things in them three years, the Bible said He sent him down by the brook Sarah. And while he was down there at the brook, the scripture said that a raven brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he and he ate drunk water. Out of the brook. Now you got to understand, Raven don't share no bread with nobody. Ain't God good? Raven is a greedy bird. He was the greediest bird there is. But yet God made this greedy bird give 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 Elijah breakfast and supper, all uh, whatever he needed it. And the Bible says, but while he was there at the brook, cut the long story short, the Bible says down through, and the year went by, the month went by, and and and, and, and the brook dried up. And so now Elijah, God told him to get up and go to Jeropath. And he was going to find a widow woman there. And when he got there, God had already told him what to tell the widow woman. So when he got to Jeropath, the widow woman was coming out. She was walking real slow. You know, sister was like, hey, fit to die. I'm going to go get these sticks. I'm going to go in the house, cook this last meal. And, and, and I'm going to sing my last song. And, and I'm going to give God my last praise. And, and me and my son going to lay on the bed. And we're going to just let sleep on the way. And she got out, went out there, she was picking up sticks, and a man hollered at her, and she looked up, it was Elisha. And he said to her, said, ma'am, what are you doing? She said, I'm getting a handful of sticks. I'm going in the house, I'm going to make me, I got a little meal, a little, a little, a little, a little oil. I'm, I'm going to fix me a little cake of bread for me and my son, and then we're going to lay, we're going to lay down and die. That's all we got left. He said, well, ma'am, God said, he said, if you go in there and fix me a little cake first, and bring it to me. Then, then, then go back and think with your son. God said that 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 if you do this, he's gonna bless. And the woman said, "Well, 
being a, a holy woman, because the scripture says that in those days there were many more widows. But God went to her because this woman trusted God. Out of all the widows, God didn't go to them. He went to this widow who trusted God. Now, I say to all widows, you can trust God without a man. You don't need no man. You can trust God. I mean, he said one later on, that's fine. But why you don't have one, put your trust in the Lord. He will meet your need. He will provide for you. He will see you through. See, what's wrong with a lot of widows is they got the the trust in man and not the trust in God. And man fell, and the man won't do this, the man won't do that. Talk about what man won't do, honey. Put your trust in God, uh, the God of your salvation. He'll meet your need. You won't want for nothing. So this widow woman said, according to your word. In other words, she didn't do it because Eliza said it, but according to the word of Eliza, because she believed in God. And he said, according to the word of God, she said, I'm going to do it. She went back into the house and fixed a little cake and brought it back to Eliza. And the Bible said that when they went back in the house from day to day until the family was over with, every time they dipped into the barrel and opened up the oil, the oil never ran out, and the the meal barrel never went dry. That's because she had a hope. She hoped it in the God of her salvation. She hoped that what Elijah said was true, and she believed that. And because of that, uh, uh, the meal barrel never went dry. The oil never ran out. That's what hope is about. See, that's all she had left. But she used what she had. Look around you and see what you got. Sometimes God can use what you got. You know, I remember one time a friend of mine, and they were going through it in, in property. They were going through their finance, and they, they were like real and bad straight. But we went to a service one night, and I was amazed that God can use anything. She said, the prophet said to them, God's going to give you something, and God wants you to give it away. And when you give it away, God's going to multiply it and give it back to you. And then that's what they did. And they were going through, and they obeyed God. And they gave them something. And they took what God they gave them and gave them back. See, you need a seed whenever you're serving God. You can't come to God empty-handed. God can't bless nothing. But he can bless He, he can bless leftovers. He can bless the last thing you have in your hand. And so they told her to get, get something in her hand. Go give it away. So when they gave her that, that family that, they had something in their hand. That was all they had left. Now, you would think they need to keep it because, look, if you're in poverty and you're in need, you, you need to keep what you got. But that was God's way of working a miracle for them. God told them, give it away. This is all you got left now, so they didn't have nothing. So you can't give God nothing. He, they, took that, they took that, gave it away, and God multiplied it and bought them out of poverty. God blessed them beyond their wildest dreams, and he's that same God today. Sometimes you got to give what you got. Now, listen. Now, now you're going to go and pay your bills and not pay your tithes because you didn't have enough money to pay your bills. Do you not know you ain't going to never have enough money to pay your bills as long as you don't pay your tithes? So you know good. you just got enough. Why not go here and pay your tithes? Don't worry about your bill. Don't worry about about, about your credit and how it's going to look and, and what people are going to think. People not paying your bills. People not buying your clothes. People don't live where you live at. You can't worry about these things. Pay your tithes. And, oh, I'm telling you, I'm talking to somebody, pay your tithes, and God will pay your bills. Uh-huh. Now, if you don't pay your tithes, you ain't going to be able to pay your bills. Neither are you going to be able to pay your tithes. Pay your tithes? Okay, we're going to get off of that, but letting God will pay your bills. So this woman, that was kind of like a tithe because she gave the last that she had. 
Y'all know about the woman that threw the mic in there in, in her. Jesus said that's all she had. And the Bible said he blessed her because she gave not of her abundance, but she gave of what she had. Somebody is down at the bottom. Somebody you don't feel like, Pastor, I, I, I can't really give no offer to the church. They're taking all my money. They're taking all my money just to pay the bill. And I, I know they be asking for money, but until I can get, get on my feet, I ain't going to be able to do nothing. No, you ain't going to get on your feet as long as you don't do something. You take that there and you give I'm saying not telling you to starve to death and take food out your mouth. It's not what I'm saying. But that little bit of money that ain't going to pay that bill no way, you, you give it to God. I know from a surety. I've been serving for 40 some years. I know for a surety if you give to God, he'll give back to you. Good men, to pray it down, shake it together, and running over. He'll call men to give under your bosom. Okay, okay, let's go a little further. Let's go to Second Kings, the fourth chapter, the one through the sixth verse. We just left First Kings, seventeenth chapter, tenth through the sixteenth verse. Now we're going to Second Kings, the fourth chapter, the one through the sixth verse. We're going to talk about another woman, another woman. This, this is a this is a widow woman too. This widow woman, her husband died, and he was a prophet, anointed man of God. Oh, she, he was a prophet, he died. But the thing is, he left her in debt. He left her with bills. And now in those days, whenever you had debts and you couldn't pay it, the bill collector could come and take your children and keep them and work them until the debt was paid. And this lady did not want to lose her children. She just lost her husband. Certainly she don't want to come here now and, 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 and lose her children. So the scripture said that she cried to the prophet Elijah and said, Elijah, Elijah, your servant the prophet, my husband, he died and left me a debt. And the bill collector is coming uh, 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 to take uh, to take my children, and she was very distressed. And the, and the prophet asked her a question, one I've already spoken said earlier. What do you have left? What do you have? You got more than you think you got. What is you got left? Don't let that love you got die just because the husband walked out. You got another love to draw another man. You got another love to draw another woman, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You got to use that love. You go throw that love away because you think that because he left you, you don't love you. Don't love no more. Well, if you don't love no more, you're gonna get no more. If you take and throw that love away and bury it just because you were hurt, everybody been hurt. But you got to take what you got left. You you got to get up and fix yourself up, comb your hair, look like a, a model, and step on out that door and let God bless you with better and let that be His law. You, well, you got left. Get up from there having that pity party. Got them curtain put together. Got the room dark, second, second, a little moody blue. You need to, you need to open up that door and let the sun shine in and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Tell God to lift up your spirit. Put on the best thing you got on and step out that door with hope, knowing that God will be out there to meet you. So, this widow woman didn't sit back and cry having a pity party. She told the prophet, I got a problem. And the prophet asked her what she had left. And she said, I ain't got nothing, nothing but some little old burrow, a little old crew burrow. They're empty. He, he, he said, I, what I want you to do is send your children outside. And, and, and you know how children is. You know, children, they ain't want to do nothing. Know how they only went because she told them to go. And send your children outside and get as many burrows as you can. So the children went out and got the burrow, 
And when they got all the burrow they could get, they came back, and I imagine they could have got some more burrow. It didn't matter to God. They could have got 1,000 more burrow if they wanted to. God would have filled them up too. But whatever burrow they did get, they come in and shut the door. And the prophet told them to shut the door. She said, she had a little oil there. And he told her to take that oil and began to pull. And she took that what she had left. And that's what I'm telling somebody. You need to take what you got left, and you need to pour it into the Lord. You need to pour it to God. The more you pour to God, the more God going to pour it back to you. The more you do it God's way, the more God going to give it back. Yes, I know that's all you got left. It ain't doing you no good that little bit. So come on and give it to God. Do what God says. Uh, use what you got left for the glory and the honor of God. Get up from there. Praise God and, and, and use what you got left. And the Bible says she poured and she poured, and she poured and she poured, and she poured and she poured. And I don't know how many burrows, whether it was 30, 40, 50, or 60, I don't know how many burrows it was. But it's still to say that more she poured, and the, only, the more she poured, the oil burrow filled up. And finally, she didn't have no more burrows left. And he said, this all of them, and that was it. And the oil stayed even after she had filled up all the barrel. Then Elijah told her, take them and go sell them and pay your debt. Back then, oil was kind of expensive. Oil was kind of like silver and gold. Oil was a, a, a you know, a commodity that they could use and it had very wealth behind it. And she took the oil and went and sold the oil. And not only did he tell her, she listen, God don't want to only pay your bill. God want to bring you up, out, and over. God don't want to just... You just bless you to get through the day to tomorrow. You're back in the same spot. Have to take from Peter and pay Paul. He told her to go and pay your debt and live off the rest. God want to bless you so you can live abundant. I read in the scripture where it said he came to give us an abundant life. But God want you to have a plenty, more than enough, an overflow, a gully watch, a dam breaker, a forming ladder rain, all in one season. God want to bless you with such blessings. Because you belong to him, you hear. The earth and God and the food is the earth, and the rice shall inherit the earth. And God wanted to bless you with such blessings that make one rich, that what the scripture said, and added no sorrow. They didn't come from sorrow. It came from the Lord. God can touch a rich person's heart. God can touch a wealthy person's heart. All God got to do is do it touch, and he can turn it in your favor, because he's God right by himself. And no, let's go down to Job now. Job 1 and 21, Job didn't have nothing left. Job had nothing left. And he lost his children, and he lost his sheep and goats and camels and all the things. And the devil said that he's going to curse you because he ain't got nothing left. But, David, but, what, 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 but what the devil didn't know is that Job did have something left. He had that word called hope, a feeling of trust, an inspiration a desire, a wish, an expectation, an anticipation. Looking to cherish a desire with an anticipation to want something to happen and to hold on until it will. Job had his hope in God. That's what Job had left. The devil didn't know that Job had hope left because he said that he would curse you to your face. But Job said, naked came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return to him. The Lord give it. Job said it, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Job did. Job did have something left. And just like Job had hope left, you got hope left. Hold on to your hope. For the Bible says your hope, your hope has a great represent of reward. Uh-huh. Don't, don't give up your hope. 
The Bible says you shall reap what you sow if you thank not. That, that means if you hold on to your hope and don't give in, don't throw in the towel, don't quit, don't stop, don't sit down, don't write God off, don't charge God foolish. For the Bible said Job did not charge God foolish. But keep your trust in the Lord, your confidence. The Bible says hold fast your confidence that you have in God. That means hope. And it has a great representative reward. You're going to be rewarded by hoping. Job was rewarded. Job had nothing left. The devil sitting there looking for Job to kill himself, looking for Job to cut God out. Job said, naked came out from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return to him. The Lord give, and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then look what happened in Job. The Bible tells us another scripture that says, consider the end of Job. We always read about Job, sick, and Job, why curse him, and told Job to curse God and die, and Job lost all this, and Job all this. But the word of God said, consider the end of Job, and another portion of the other word, God gave him double for his trouble. God gave him back more beautiful son, more beautiful daughter, camels, and goats, and asses. Oh, he was most the first man in all the land. And even his friend came back, gave him more friends. They came back to comfort him. Because Job, the Bible told Job to forgive his friend. Because they came there and accused him. Listen, why are you going through people going to accuse you? When you when you start having problems and sicknesses and, and the first thing they're going to start to say, oh, she done did something wrong, that's why she's sick. And she was an apostle, like she said she would. If he was an apostle, that would be happening to him. Something happened because I heard he did this. I heard he did that. That's why all that is happening. So they came there charging Joe, telling Joe he must have did something wrong and thought he got away with it. You imagine you letting a sick so sick. You sick, and, and then he come around, and, and the devil won't satisfy. He said, well, who who don't mind getting up the material things? So what? He gave up the material thing. But if you let me touch his body, my God, he will cuss you. To, he will surely cuss you then. And, 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 but Job didn't. Job did not cuss the Lord. Job said in the 14th chapter, laying there all sick, the lost everything, his body wrapped with pain, sores all over him. He said, he said, naked came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return to her. He said, I, he said, the Lord, give it, the Lord, take it away. Then on the 14th chapter, the 14th verse, he said, all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait till my change comes. I come out and tell somebody to wait. Your change is on the way. Let your hope help you to wait. Job took his hope, and he waited for his change to come. Yes, they talked about him. Yes, they accused him. Yes, they said his sin done caught up with him. Yeah, her sin done caught up with her now. I told you, girl, I told you, I heard. I heard, yeah, they've been talking about it. I heard. I didn't want to say nothing, you know. I heard, I heard, I heard. That you got, you got them kind of people always hearing something. But one day they're going to hear something on their own set. They keep right on talking. They're going to hear something on their own set, and it's going to be too late to do anything about it. So you got people that always heard something. And they, they went to Job and, and discouraged Job and made Job feel bad and and Joe said they were tilled his eyes. Joe even had to raise up with enough of that, a dignity and a dignity and say, y'all are miserable. He said, y'all are miserable comforter. It's bad when you've got to tell your guests that you're miserable. You need to go on. You need to go to the house. I'd rather you had not came to my house. I'm laying here sick. I'm laying here full of sores. I'm here looking for a word from the Lord, and you got to dare to come here and prophesy to me and tell me I done sinned, I done done something wrong, done sinned, thought I got away with it, and when the pole was hungry, I didn't feed them, when they were naked, I didn't clothe them, I done slipped around the corner, did something, I ain't got no bit, and, and God caught up with me. How can you come and tell me you miserable, 
both friends. But the scripture said Job had to forgive them. Job had to forgive them for how they treated him. And the Bible said when Job forgave them, oh, I heard the Holy Spirit say, some of y'all need to be forgiven. Yeah, 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 yes, you, 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 you need to forgive. God don't forgive you, but you need to forgive them. God says the reason it ain't, ain't, the hurt ain't completely gone because you ain't forgave them. And your blessing is, is based on you forgiving. You got to let it go, as we talked about earlier in, in, in service. You got to let that hurt go. You got to let that go. You got to forgive them, so God can bless you. You ain't holding up nothing, nothing but your own blessing by not forgiving. You got to turn it loose. You got to tell them. You got to tell God to help you. Go to your prayer closet. Say, Lord, listen. They hurt me so bad, God, that I don't like them. I, I don't want to forgive them, Lord. But help me to forgive them, God, because you told me if I don't forgive them. Neither will you forgive me, and my prayer is going to be answered. So Job had to forgive his friend, though they talked to him that way. And when Job forgave them, uh, God blessed him abundant. And God will bless you, too. You can't have no unforgiveness in your life. I don't care how it hurt him. I don't care who it was. I'm sorry to say it might be person. It might be your father or your mother. But it might be a, 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 a molestation situation where a family member have touched you in the wrong way. But you got to forgive them. You can't hate them. You can't hurt, hold this. Thing. You got to give it to God. You got to tell God to forgive them. And then you got to forgive yourself. And that's what Job did. And when you forgive, the blessing's going to roll in. Oh, yes, it ain't nothing but a weight to walk around with unforgiveness. It's like talking a weight on your shoulder, and the weight ain't going to go nowhere. And not only is the weight not going to go nowhere, your prayer's going to hit the wall. It ain't going to be answered. But God said that neither would he forgive you if you forgive those that trespass against you. So this is the word of God. So that's why it's important to forgive so that God will forgive you. And now let's go to Job 14 and 14 says, Job said, I'm going to wait for my change. I come out and encourage somebody. The change is coming. Oh, I've been serving God over 42 years. I want you to know that the change is coming. It may not look like it's coming, ain't coming, but the change is coming. The God you serve is going to come and see about you. He's going to come when you least expect. The scripture said, though he tarried. He's going to knock you down and run you over. Look at look what he said. God said, though he tarry, though it look like he's not coming, though it look like he ain't hearing your prayer, though it look like he ain't going to heal your body, though it look like he ain't going to regulate your mind, it look like he ain't going to restore your joy, it look like he ain't going to stop your marriage from going to the void court, it look like he ain't going to give you another hood, he ain't going to give you another wife, it look like your children left home, they ain't going to come back no more. I'm talking about what it looked like. And, and, and the way they talked to you last time you heard, it don't look like they're coming back to see you no time soon, and you've been having a division that you want your child. Uh, 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 there's somebody right now, your child get ready to come home. Somebody right now, your child fit to call you. Somebody right now, your child fit to uh, reconnect with you. That, that, that child going to come back and apologize. And God said, you're going to apologize to them, and it's going to restore that relationship. They've been gone a long time. You ain't called them. They ain't called you. But but God, because you waited on him, you you, you prayed and God heard your prayer, and God's going to fix it. He He's going to put this broken piece back together, uh, just like Job waited, believing that a change going to come. God told me to tell you, keep on waiting. Don't give up. Don't you quit. On that unsaved child, that unsaved daughter, that unsaved husband, that unsaved wife, 
Look like he ain't going to get saved. The more you pray for, the meaner he get. The more you pray for, the meaner she get. But that's all right. Don't you focus on them. Don't focus on how mean they is. But you keep your eyes on the Lord. I reminded of a story about a lady and how that she had went to the preacher because she was talking to the preacher about her husband and how mean and honoring he was. And she was so sad and discouraged. So the preacher encouraged her to get her joy back, uh, to lift up her spirit until she get through this thing. So the preacher didn't see her no more until about five years later. And when he saw her, she was leaping and skipping like a young girl. She was so happy. She was so vivid. Her color that was so lit up. And he also said, what happened? Your husband got saved? She said, no, he didn't. I did. <laughs> sometimes you got to get saved while you're waiting on them other folks to get saved. Because sometimes we say folks can be right mean while we waiting on other folks to get saved. But not the way we start acting like they act. Don't let, listen, don't let nobody make you mean. Don't let nobody make you, and I'm talking to husbands and wives now. Why are you hoping? Why are you, I know you got what you got left. Use what you got left, your prayer. Your conversation with God. Go in that prayer closet. Don't sit there with that man day by day, got to live with him and be mean. Don't sit there with that woman day by day and be mean. Both of you sitting there making each other mean in the house, like two ships in the night, getting in the bed, turning your back one to the other, and here you is married to one another. God forbid. God forbid. So you got to put your trust in God. God will fix that problem. All you got to do is trust him. The Bible says trust him and never doubt. He will surely bring you out. You give that marriage to God. Both of you sit there and talk to one another. Quit being so honorary, so mean, so bitter at one another. And look one another in the eyes and ask each other to forgive one another. Go out to lunch. Go out to dinner. Go to a candlelight dinner. Do something. But fix that problem. If you're going to stay together, then you need to be nice to one another. Because this is one of the closest relationships to God is a husband and a wife. But God referred marriage to be next to, to the, the heavenly, from the heavenly marriage. Uh, uh, the Bible says the husband loved the wife and Christ loved the church. Husband, that's a great job you got to love your wife and Christ loved the church. Now, you know Christ didn't beat up on the church. Christ didn't hit the church. Uh, Christ didn't cheat on the church. Uh, Christ didn't have no girlfriend on the church. Uh-oh, husband. Christ didn't do all these things. So that Christ didn't have no girlfriend on the church, you ain't got no reason no to have no girlfriend on your wife, no sweetheart, walking around with all his, her pictures in your pocketbook. You, you would part, the pictures you have in your pocketbook need to be your wife. She need to be the one that you adore. She need to be the one that you laugh at. She needs to be the one that when she opens up your pocketbook, there she don't see some woman, but she see her. Because she's your darling, darling baby. She's your wife. She's your love of your heart. Treat her that way. Husband, start by treating your wife like you're supposed to. Wife, start by treating your husband. Quit telling everybody what's going on in your home, all the problems that you have. Your trust is in the Lord. Hope in God. Trust in God. Keep your business out of the street. Pray for that man. Pray for him. Yeah, I know he mean. You mean too. So, so for both of you mean. So you quit being mean to him, and, and he quit being mean to you. God can fix this problem. You want to stay together? I pray that you stay together. I pray this marriage don't end up in divorce court. You can stay together. You know I was minded for how you put a penny inside of a vinegar, and you can put a penny that got a lot of turns, and that penny could be like 60 years old. But if you put that vinegar in that penny and vinegar, and in the morning, that penny will be new again like it was the day they made it in the mint. See, if you could put a penny in vinegar and make it new again, you can put your marriage in the Holy Ghost. You can put your marriage in the Holy Ghost. Do you hear what I say? Put that marriage in the Holy Ghost. Don't send that marriage to the Lord. Uh, no, 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 no. Put that marriage in the Holy Ghost. Tell God to give you back that love you had when y'all first got married, that honeymoon love. 
Put that spark back there. Put that emotion, put that affection back there. Oh, my, my, my. So if we get, we're talking about uh, 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 what's we got left. God said you got more left than you think you did. And last of all, I thought about the left of men that sat there at the gate of the city, and they had nothing left, y'all. There's no day when you were a leper, you just want nobody. You were an outcast. They cast them out to the gate of the city. They were left there to die because they had nothing left. They didn't have a life to live. They couldn't even hang around the people. They were, they, didn't have, they were waiting to die. But, 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 but one said to the other, and, and the Bible said that the city was seized by, by the Samaritans, by the, by the Caesarean. They had seized the city because that's what they don't know, Dave. Whenever a, a, a nation or a, a people come to want to take a city, they would see the city so nobody could come in and nobody could go out and buy groceries. So eventually all the food would run out and the water would run out and they starved to death. So they, they would starve them out what they would do. And the Caesarean had come and did that uh, 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 to, the, to the Samaritan, uh, to the city. And here they were sitting here. They were, they, they were eating everything, and now they were eating the horses. And now one woman eating another woman's baby, and likewise, because that's how bad it got. So they were sitting there, and they said one to the other, and we said he was going to die. Sometimes when you got left, you got to talk to yourself. He said that we go to the, in the city, we're going to die, and we go to the enemy pre-adventure. They may let us live, and, and, and we won't die. So they made an action. Move. I tell somebody, get up. Get up from that dead situation you're in and move. I know it looked like, I know what the doctor said. I know what your circumstance said. I know what your feeling said, but get up and move on something. Move on to God of your side and give God something to work with. You tell God you want to give your health and strength back, you got to get up and walk. You got to get up and walk out to the door and come back. Walk to the mailbox and come back. Don't ask for your health and strength and you don't move. You get up and start moving and God will move with you. And they got up and went toward that camp. And you know the story when they got there, they found out that everything was gone because God made it look like an army was coming. The closer they got in the camp, the more God began to beat the wind, and it sounded like horses were coming. And the people got so scared and ran all the way back to the sea. They must have came there on ships because the scripture says that the women's hats were laying all over the place, and, and the footsteps foot ran all the way back into the sea. And God delivered that day because somebody got up from where they were sitting and did something about it. I don't care how low you are. I don't care how bad the situation. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you done lost. I had lost everything I had. Here I was, here in 1979, in prison. Ended up locked up, facing almost 100 years. I had the devil try to take my hope away. I had nothing left. I laid there with nothing left. Was in a room with 70, 80 people in a dormitory on bunk bed. But I laid there that morning. And I reached out and grabbed what I had left. And what I had left was what my mama told me. I, I remember what my mama told me about prayer and how if I call on the name of Jesus, how he would save me. And I got up out that bunk bed and went into the bathroom. And I told God, I said, God, I don't know how to pray. All I know is I'm going to use what I got left, what my mama told me. Mama said, if I do this and do that, God, you would save me. And I gave my life to God that day in 1979 on a Sunday in prison. I gave my life to God, and look what God done done. God took what I had left, and he took that left, and then I reached up, and I took what I had left, and went in that bathroom and gave it to God, and God took it, and he took a person that had nothing. I ain't have nothing, but God turned around and, and blessed me. He brought me out of prison. He began to bless me over and over again as I walked my faith with what I had left. He brought me out of prison in 1979, and yes, he did, in 1981. 
in nineteen eighty one he called me to the ministry. I preached my initial sermon on the fourth of July. In nineteen eighty five, he called me the pastor, my first assistant pastor. Uh, and I, and I, and he called me to be an assistant pastor and I pastor for about ten years. And then I ended up being the being the pastor for about ten more years. For nineteen years they called me the pastor. Then I left that church, and now I'm in a church down where I've been pastoring for about 18 years. But what I'm trying to tell you, he called me from, first of all, been a minister, I've been a Christian, but to a minister. I started evangelizing. He called me from evangelism, uh, into the prophetic, began to evangelize and prophesy. He called me there into pastorship. He called me from the pastorship to the, to the apostleship. And here I am talking to you today of the apostles because I took what I had left with for God. Listen, as the old saying said, if you ain't got nothing left for God, you got more than you need. So I want to encourage somebody, use what you got left. Use that hope. Can I say again what that hope is so you can write it down? You might get it in your spirit. Hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen, a feeling of trust, an inspiration, a desire, a wish, an expectation, an anticipation, to look for, to cherish, a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen and to hold on until it will. We bless the Lord. Apostle. Good God Almighty. I can't say number. <laughs> will you pray for those who's listening tonight, Apostle, and just give them hope? in prayer and touch and agree with them for their victory. Would you do that, sir? Yes, I will. Precious Father, I pray for all the listening orders that are listening right now because we're strength one to other. God, we all are not strong at the same time. Neither are we all weak at the same time. That's why you said we are strength one to the other. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. So we that are strong are the birdie and infirmity of the week. And I come down, God, and we've been strong birth infirmity of my brethren that are weak, that are discouraged, that are broken, that 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 last last ear, last leg. It look like there's no hope. Look like there ain't no way out. Look like it just ain't gonna change. Look like they just don't they don't wanna go no further. They wanna give up because they done been hurt so bad, they done lost so much. They fell down so far. But God, I come in the name of Jesus to encourage them. And that you would encourage them, that you would lift them up in your spirit, Lord. That with your spirit, not my spirit, but you will lift them up by your spirit, said the Lord. The same spirit that hoover over the world. The same spirit that said, Let there be life in the name of Jesus. Let that spirit hoover over them, over hoover over their brokenness, hoover over their their their, their, their failures. Who were over their setback? Who were over their sicknesses? Who were over this divorce? There's trouble in the home. There's trouble on the job. Where these supervisors acting beside themselves, oh God, and act like they ball, act like they're God, and having authority, using their authority beyond what they're supposed to. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray, God, that your glory will show up, that your will will be done, and you will lift up all these spirits that have been broken, God. You said a broken heart and a contrite spirit you will not despise. Somebody's heart is broken, somebody crying, and they ain't even telling nobody they're crying, God. They've been crying so long, there ain't no tears left. But, God, I want you to show up and show out. 
I want you to turn this thing around, God. I want you to turn this hope, God, to the expectation. I want you to turn this hope into an inspiration. I want you to turn this hope into a desire. I want you to turn this hope into a wish. I want you to turn this hope into an expectation and anticipation. In the name of Jesus, as they wait for you, God, do it in the name of Jesus. You heal that body that's been sick for so long. Lift up that head that's been bowed down for so long. Encourage the heart that's been discouraged so long. Do it, oh God. In the bring them from the bottom, from the top, from the back, to the front, God. Show your glory, God. Let your glory show up until it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Apostle, truly we are so blessed that each week you call us to give us words of wisdom that we just love to hear it, to go behind the veil and get that outpouring of God. There may be someone on the radio tonight that don't know God and would like to get saved. Will you give them an invitation to salvation that those that might say, how can I get saved, what can I do to get saved, and can you give them the plan of salvation, please? Yes, yes, yes. I come to tell you that the scripture says in the word of God that whosoever called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, he says, call on the name of the Lord. Whoever you are, whoever you are, if you call on him, he said he shall save you. He said if you believe in your heart and confess your mouth to the Lord Jesus and that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let me say that again. He said if you believe in your heart and confess your mouth to the Lord Jesus and that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And I, come, I say right now that if you just believe that Jesus was born by the Virgin Mary, that he was suffered on a pilot, pilot, that he crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead, declared Zico the grave death of hell. He's gone back to the Father, prepared a place for us in the kingdom. He will come back and promise to judge the world and to deliver the righteous. If you believe in the Holy Ghost, the Christian church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin and the resurrection of the body, you shall be saved. The Bible says if you believe these things, then salvation is entered into your heart. In Jesus' name, accept that. Accept, believe, and, and, and receive, and salvation is yours in Jesus' name. And I pray that that be so, God, that they believe in their heart, confess with their mouth to others, that salvation has come, that you ask you to forgive them, God. they got to repent. And that they repent, God, and then to receive you as their Savior, that it be so this day, that you would save everyone on the sound of my voice, that will repent and turn from their sin, God, and accept your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Again, sir, what is the name of your church? The Burning Bush Non-Denomination Deliverance Church in Irwin, North Carolina. Irwin, North Carolina. And if they would like to visit, what's the time of your services? 7 o'clock uh, on Sunday, uh, uh, 1130 Sunday morning and 7 o'clock on Tuesday night for Bible study and prayer meeting. Everyone that you hear that is 11 o'clock, 11.30 on Sunday morning. And the address? Uh, 11, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, yeah. That's 402 North 13th Street, Irwin, North Carolina. 402 North 13th Street in Irwin, North Carolina. Yes. And before we close out, everyone, if you want to invite Apostle Lockamy to your church, or you would like to call him for prayer or invitation, and your phone number, sir. 910-658-5206. 910-658-5206.
God bless you again. You have been listening to Apostle Alexander Lockamy. Stay tuned each week on Thursday from 7 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. where you can hear the man of God and hear the broadcast of Burning Bush because truly he is a blessed man, a man with a wisdom gift, and our guest speaker. God bless you, sir, and have a nice evening. Yes, be blessed. Thank you. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.